If you want Colts talk all year long, you're in the right place. Fires upfield into the end zone. It is caught. Jelani Woods. Touchdown. He's going to fire upfield. It's broken up. Tipped and up. intercepted by the Colts. This is the official Colts podcast, giving you an updated look at what's new with the horseshoes. Colts have it. Interception. Two seconds left. And the Colts are going to win. In the Indiana Union Construction Industry Radio Studio, let's get the podcast started. Let's do it. Let's do it. Welcome back. This is the Thursday crew. Welcome into the official Colts podcast. Week two is here. We've got football tonight. If you're listening to this, we've got football tonight, Thursday night football, in fact. We've got Eagles, Vikings. Bill Brooks is here. Casey Vallier along. I'm Matt Taylor. Bill, what was the hottest game? Like, temperature-wise, what was the hottest game you ever played in? Wow, that is a good question. I, you know, I'm going to guess it had to be somewhere. Like Miami or something? Miami. Yeah, I'm going to guess it had to be Miami maybe. Like early in the season, those yeah, AFC play, East played, battles. Yeah, AFC East playing Miami early in the year. Um, and maybe when I was with Buffalo as well, playing Miami down there. It was hot a couple of times. It, it was, uh, those weren't. Pleasant, but I tell you what, I prefer the hot games over the cold <laughs> games any day. Really? Oh, really? By far. See, I was the other way. Oh no, I hated the heat. Oh, I me, hated the heat. Give You're me the defensive guy. Isn't that the def- isn't that the defensive mindset though? That was kind of what. No, no, no. I hated the heat. No, I, I just hated to sweat. Oh, you I, know, I, uh, let me sweat. I love to sweat. No, I, no, I, no. I love me. Only thing about this. Only about thing about hot weather and the sun is just that I didn't want the sun in my eyes. Of course, trying to catch sure. the ball, but. If it was hot and 90 degrees and probably about 85, 90% humidity, I was good. Yeah, those, those cold temperatures for a receiver, right? Your hands and your fingers. Don't yeah, like the that's ball. That's a delicate the, balance. The ball's hard. Oh, yeah. The field's frozen. <laughs> no, don't like that at all. Well, we're coming in hot today here on the official Colts podcast. Again, the uh, Thursday crew is with you. I'm Matt Taylor with uh, Ring of Honor member Bill Brooks talking about uh, his playing days back in the day, Casey Vallier over there. Uh, reason being because – the Colts travel to Houston. It's going to be at NRG Stadium, where over the years the Colts have had a tremendous, great deal amount of success. Uh, but it's indoors, and Ryan Kelly said, thank God it's indoors because it's freaking hot in Houston. It is hot in Houston. Very humid as well. Yeah, baseball field's got a dome over it. Yeah. So, yeah, the Astros and Texans, they're inside with the A.C., all summer long. All right, we got a lot to get into here today. We're talking about the Jaguars game. We're definitely going to be previewing week two against the Houston Texans, another AFC South game right out of the shoot for the Colts. Uh, we're also going to discuss where the Colts can improve week one to week two. We'll talk about how some aspects of last season, unfortunately, we saw some 2022 early on in 2023. Some uh, areas that played the Colts last year reared their ugly head, as they say. And we'll also have a chat with EJ Speed, who's fresh off five tackles, a tackle for loss, and a forced fumble on Sunday. We'll get his thoughts on the Texans coming up on uh, this particular Sunday. But, Bill, as we know, right, you played football all those years. The old football cliche, you always hear it all the time, teams make their biggest jump from week one to week two. Why is that, by the way? Well, I think going into week one, you sometimes you really don't know what you actually That means you just screwed up that much? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I think sometimes you just don't know what you actually have, sure. especially when you have rookies playing, not sure how they're going to perform under pressure in right. a game like that in regular season. So I think – once the once the coach see the coaches see the players play like that, yeah. then they can go back to the drawing board and say, okay, 
here's what we need to do. This guy needs to work on this. This guy needs to do this. Right. He's better suited for doing this, so we need to put this guy in for this. So they can make adjustments right yeah. there, and I think everyone does that. And then, you know what, usually the second time you go out, you feel a little bit more comfortable when you go out there You've and done play it well. Before. You've done it before. <laughs> You've yeah. done it one yep. time. I mean, for a lot of these guys, you're doing it for the first time in nine months. For the rookies, yep. they're doing it for the first time ever. Some guys are doing it for the first time in a new scheme, and a new uniform, all of that stuff. So with that in mind, let's talk about some areas in Anthony Richardson's game where the Colts could see a big jump from week one to week two this time in Houston. So last time out, we know about the 223 passing yards, 24 for 37, uh, right around 65% completion percentage. He was also the team's leading rusher. He had 40 yards on 10 carries, became the first rookie quarterback in franchise history, by the way, to register a rushing touchdown and a passing touchdown and a season opener. Casey Valier, what are the areas for you where Richardson can improve going into week two. You know, that that's a good – because I think ultimately when, when you look back on what the game was, everybody thought his play was pretty good. Yeah. There, were, there were a lot of really good things that you saw. And, you know, the expectation from, you know, the outside view was that he's going to struggle with consistency. He's not going to have a high completion percentage. He's going to make some bad throws. Ultimately, you didn't see much of that. So when you look at what his game is and growing it week by week – it's not going to be a drastic thing. I think ultimately the biggest area I think you're going to see is what the offense gives him from a rushing outpour in this upcoming game. I think it is one of the things that the offensive staff is probably working diligently to try to figure out a way to get the running game going, and I think therefore it's going to open up a little bit more for him. And ultimately I think what you're going to see is is maybe a little bit more of the deep ball. We didn't see any of that last week. You know, a lot of that. But that played, wasn't him, though. It, exactly. Yeah, it, was it was him a, taking yeah, what the defense the game, gave We're, we're going to talk about that, and, but yeah, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I just think I think maybe you're going to see maybe a little bit more of uh, explosive plays or trying to dial up explosive plays. You kind of manufacture it. Maybe it's not a, a deep ball that you're throwing, but you can have a play like the Michael Pittman screen that ultimately. Well, the, the ability to do that starts, to your point, with the running game. 100%. If you run it better, yep. you force them out of different exactly. coverages and schemes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Exactly. So they have to come up and they come come out of that, that shell defense. Right. So it's because too yeah. deep. A lot so, of cover too. Yeah, yeah. They play a lot of cover too. And to piggyback off what uh Casey was saying, I, I thought I thought he did a nice job. I thought he played pretty well yeah. um on Sunday. You know, I'm and when I say that I'm, I'm gonna be picky about what I say right now. I'm just gonna be very picky about a few things I think that maybe he could Wait a minute, is this hot take? Are you hot taking? No, right no, now? no, this is no hot take. Is, no, is this Bill Brooks' no, first hot take? Sound no. the sirens. No, this is no it's not a hot take or anything like that. I'm not I'm not one of those guys. <laughs> but I'm, I'm gonna be picky and, and, and say sure. maybe a couple of things that I was I would like to see him improve on. There was one play there where uh, I was third and I don't know about four or five, and they had Kylan Granson go in motion, come back in motion, go behind the line of scrimmage, and run out like a quick flat. Mm-hmm. And Anthony rolled out to the right, sure, and he threw the ball to to Kylan. Kylan was wide open. The ball was just a little high, mm-hmm. and Kylan had to reach for it. Where if the ball is right there and right in his pocket, so to speak, sure. He can catch it and trump the field. Reached for the ball, stumbled a little bit, and he got the first down. But if they, Anthony put the ball right on him. That's maybe, yards after catch, yeah, too. Yes, yeah. Get some more yards. So I think things like that, once he gets a better feel for getting the ball right where the receiver needs it so he can run after the catch, I think he will be better. And that, that's the only thing I've really seen right there that yeah. he might be able to be a little better in the second week and beyond. No doubt about that. All right, then the natural segue to this, and we've already kind of brought it up, I mean, again, the way the Jaguars played the Colts, uh, a lot of short throws. On throws 
under eight yards beyond the line of scrimmage. Richardson was 22 for 27 for 211 and a touchdown. On throws eight yards or longer from the line of scrimmage. So, again, there was not many. Uh, two for 10, 22 yards, and that's when the interception in the fourth quarter occurred as well. And as we said, Jaguars are primarily playing uh, zone. Michael Pittman Jr. talked about it after the game. Uh, they were trying to, to zone up the Colts to limit Anthony Richardson's uh, effectiveness on the ground. Uh, they were also trying to take away those big plays, which they did. In fact, the Colts ran 69 plays and had just three plays over 20 yards, and their longest was that bubble screen to Michael Pittman Jr. for 39 yards. But, in fact, that right that happens closer to the line of scrimmage on a screen. But also, too, Richardson's, uh, Bill, his 24 completions thrown – they only average three and a half yards down the field. So credit your tip your cap, I should say, in this case of the Jaguars. They did a nice job. You know, Mike Caldwell had a plan. They executed it. They limited Anthony Richardson's effectiveness on the ground. And we know he loves to throw the deep ball. He's a pretty accurate quarterback doing that. Just not a lot of opportunities for the Colts to, to push the ball down the field. I mean, Alec Pierce only had one catch for five yards. Michael Pittman Jr.'s longest catch, as we said, was a 39-yard screen. So a lot of, obviously, yards after the catch in that case. Do you expect the Texans to duplicate what the Jaguars did, see a lot of zone coming up on Sunday? Now, we talk about this being a copycat league mm-hmm. and, and people copying you know, uh, another defense or another offense of what they've seen previously. I think Houston will take some of that and run with it and use it themselves. But I think Houston wants to be Houston. I think they want to be the Texans themselves. And I think D'Amico Ryan is going to do some different things. I think he will try to confuse Anthony Richardson being a young quarterback out there. But I think he also wants to make sure that he keeps his uh, defender's eyes on Anthony because if they're playing a lot of man-to-man and the guy's running off or running away and Anthony can get out of the pocket, Anthony can have a big run, big day running the ball. But I I really think that you'll see a lot of different things. I think Houston's going to mix it up, try to confuse Anthony so maybe he might uh, throw the ball in a situation where he shouldn't throw the ball uh, in regards to throwing at a certain area on the football field. But they're going to try to confuse Anthony. That, that's kind of the way that I feel, too. D'Amico Ryan's a guy. We saw the, the San Francisco defenses the last couple years that he was the defensive coordinator for. And it was something that it, it was not necessarily a week-to-week it changed like you would see with some guys. But he wasn't afraid to play kind of different styles you know as the year progressed so I am anxious to kind of see what you know D'Amico Ryan's at the helm here in Houston what that makes it look because ultimately the last couple of years you've seen a Lovey Smith defense which you kind of know what to expect in that with D'Amico Ryan's he is a little bit more of an exotic play caller he can do a little you know his schemes are a little different so I'm anxious to kind of see that but I would agree with Bill I think that he is going to try to do some things different, but it's a copycat league. So yeah, I, there, there's a really good possibility you're going to see a lot of the same of what you I saw agree. on Sunday. I, I think you're going to see it until you beat it. I really yeah. do. I think you're going to see it until you prove that you can win those matchups on the outside. And obviously it goes back to what we talked about in the in the previous bullet point. You've you got to run the ball better yeah. yes. to take the Jaguars and the Texans out of these looks. You, you, it starts with the offensive line. Shane Steichen talked about that earlier this week. We got to do a better job up front. We got to get a better push. We have to have better vision from our running backs. So it's across the board. But it's also going to help, too, if you're staying out of third and long. I mean, third and long, you're going to see zone coverage all day to take away those big plays. That was a very, I know you guys talked about it this week, Casey, on the Tuesday podcast with yourself and J.J. and Lara. The the efficiency numbers were incredibly disappointing. The Colts were, they had 12 third down opportunities, half of those, right? Six of the 12 
were third and eight or longer. Yeah. So that's disappointing. It was also disappointing, Bill, just not being able to get a better push on fourth down. It's one for five in totality for the game, but the short yardage uh, fourth downs when you didn't get, especially that that you know the tush push play that Shane Steichen made famous, <laughs> Jalen Hurts right. and the Eagles made famous last year. You know, coming up short when it was seemingly so automatic for the Eagles last year, that was a little disheartening. Yeah, it was a very disheartening. I mean, he especially, was talking about especially, especially when you get inches, right? And and that, inches. That's, that's what, what he's talking he said. about. He inches. said, and he was asked, "Were you surprised?" Surprised you didn't get it, especially with a guy that the spearhead of it is six foot five, right. two sixty, yes. and you're coming up empty there. Yeah. So you got to be better in those situations. Everybody knows it. All right, let's move on to another chapter here of the podcast. I'm calling this, for lack of a better term, I, I try to come up with something more <laughs> clever. Something better than you're pretty good at it too. I'll give you well, credit for it. I'm trying to come up with something better than does it feel different, but that's what I landed on here. <laughs> right. Because, like I said at the top, there was a lot of unfortunately there was a lot of 2022 here at the early stages of 2023 because last year Colts went 4-12 and one in part because a fourth quarter defense, red zone defense, and just the inability to close games out in crunch time. Those areas. They all came back to haunt the Colts in week one against the Jacksonville Jaguars. So let's let's take these things in order, or I should say one by one. Okay, last season, Bill, the Colts, as we know, they were outscored by 63 points in the fourth quarter, no points in the fourth quarter on Sunday against the Jaguars. They were outscored 14 to nothing. We all remember it, right? You're up 21-17, and then blammo, down in a blink of an eye, like a minute and six seconds of real football time, you go up four to down ten. I know the defense, Bill, they were put into some bad situations on Sunday, but the fourth quarter defense, does it does it feel different? I know the sample size is small. You only have one game compared to 17 games in 2022, but does the fourth quarter defense, does it feel different compared to last year? Well, you know, unfortunately, if you look at it right now, you have to say no yeah. because of what happened. Actually, you know, they scored down there. and they, I guess uh, what I'm asking, like, do you feel – more optimistic about I feel, it. I do feel more optimistic about it because I don't think you're going to be in that position. Hopefully you're not in that position often because, yeah. one, one, for instance, if you look at the fourth quarter, Jacksonville had the ball in pretty good field position sure. every time. I think the worst field position was that their own 43-yard line, I think, in the fourth quarter. So when they get the ball in a good field position, of course they're going to score. Special teams give up a big yeah, punt return. Thanks to Jamal Agnew. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Give up a mm-hmm. big punt return. So then you have the interception also during that time. So I, I don't think those things are going to continually happen. I think the special teams will get better and then hopefully uh, limit the returns. And I also think that, you know, we'll get better as far as recognizing defenses, not turning the ball over and, you know, making sure that we can move the ball down the field. So I'm optimistic about that. But after what happened right now, I don't feel that much different than what it was last year. Sure. I kind of look at it as I, I feel that way, but mainly it's about everything else outside of the defense. Yeah. If you look at, you know, the way the offense struggled to yeah. get first downs and keep the defense fresh. I mean, throughout the game, the defense, you know, they held up their end of the bargain for the mm-hmm. majority of that football game. And then it got down to the point where Jacksonville just made it more plays than what the Colts did. And mm-hmm. ultimately, that's where it put the defense in those situations. So when I look at it, yeah, they scored – you know they scored 14 points in the fourth quarter. I don't know if I put all of that on the defense. No. You got to stop somebody. I'm not. I'm not at all downplaying that. And the defense would tell you that. Every single guy in that room, the defensive staff would tell you that as well. But I think the part that doesn't feel different was everything else around yes. it. And I do feel a lot more optimistic about the defense. But I also feel that same way about the offense. I feel a lot more optimism this year compared to what we saw last year. 
Yeah, I, I think it is going to be different this year. I, I'm, I'm optimistic on it because the reason why, the, the front, the front seven yes. for the Colts, they dominated that game yes, for three quarters. You just got to finish. Yep. And I don't know what the answer is, right? Because this has been a problem for the last couple of years. Yes. I mean, we saw it last year. The Colts lost six games decided by one score. And we're going to talk about that coming up in just a second. But you just you just got to do it. I mean, I know right. the Jaguars had seven more minutes of time of possession. It's a 60-minute game. You're doing it for the first time, right? There's really nothing you can do, Bill, to replicate game shape. Exactly. You just have to play games play. to get into game shape. So I understand that. But just quite frankly, you just got to rise to the occasion. Bill, imagine what the Colts record would be if they oh didn't goodness. have those those lapses in the fourth quarter right. giving up big plays. Exactly. I mean, I don't know what the record would be, but and, but – and to your point, until you actually do it, yeah, you're gonna have that label on you, right? So you, you as have a to, team that, as that a, can't finish, exactly. I can't finish, so you need to go out there and do it. So, I like like you both said, I'm optimistic. I think uh, things look bright. I think there's some positive things you can take from the game, especially from how the defense played. But yes, the defense was put in bad position, but they got to stop people as well. So until they do it. Yeah, that's what's going to be on there uh, well, around the neck. Staying along with that red zone specifically, oh. last year the Colts finished last in the NFL in red zone defense, giving up touchdowns almost seventy percent of the time. That number was sixty-eight percent. Jaguars on Sunday uh, in Week One, they scored all three of their time, all three times I should say they entered the red zone. The defense played well, but again, still allowed the Jaguars, Casey, to convert when it mattered the most. Does it? This time around, does it feel different through one game like the Colts can get that corrected? Yeah, this is my one area where I need to see more, if, if that makes – I know it's a, it's a cop-out answer, but that's kind of where I am because – Still a problem. We, it's still a problem. You talked about how well the defense played, but this is where you make your money. This is where games are won and lost is red zone. And when a team gets there three times and you're allowing them to score all three – that's sometimes what defines your season, and, and ultimately that's where you, games are won. That, I mean, you, you talked about it. It's sixty-eight percent of the time last year. You cannot duplicate that and try to have a successful season because it's just not going to happen. Right. So that is the area that right now I'm saying yes. It, it looks a lot. I'm still optimistic. I'm still sticking with that on this defense. So you're saying it doesn't feel different. It, it doesn't feel different right now. It's tough. Uh, it's tough. It is. It, it's tough to say. I mean, I, I kind of agree with Casey. It doesn't really feel different now. And like I said before, until you do it, something different. That's what's going to be put mm-hmm. around your neck that you cannot finish and you cannot stop people in the red zone. So you need to do a little bit better than that. You know, when Calvin Ridley, the touchdown Calvin Ridley scored, that was a scramble to the left. Lawrence got out of the pocket, right. made a nice play. The other one was Bigsby on the one-yard line. Okay, Bigsby yeah. on one-yard line, he scored. But then there's the other one, the Zay Jones pass, and then that was a great, great play. play. That great, was a great play. play. Now, sure. I, I'm going to give Jacksonville yep. credit for that one. They mm-hmm. Give them credit for that one. That was a great play, great catch. Good coverage by the defender. So, but you have to come up with a play. You have to, the, the good teams make a way. They find a way to come up with a play to stop teams. If, mm-hmm. if, if it's hold them to a field goal, or it's to hopefully turn the ball over and get the ball back. So I think we have a good team. Yeah. We have especially the front seven. I really like our front seven. We have to find a way to make plays to turn this thing around. I will say. It does. I think it's going to be different because of the secondary. I think the secondary held up. Oh to, yeah. To your yeah. point, I mean that that first red zone score that was kind of backyard play. Mm-hmm. Colts front seven. You know the the uh, defensive pass rush. The contain broke down there. Mm-hmm. That's when uh, Lawrence was able to get out of the pocket, just kind of find somebody in the back of the end zone. That happened to be Calvin Ridley. Mm-hmm. Also, the Zay Jones catch was terrific. That was- 
I still amazing. don't know how he got both feet in. So, and I, <laughs> it's a great, great catch. So my point is, I thought Flowers and Daryl Baker, I thought they did a nice job. Yes, I thought they I were in too. position for most of the game. They did a really good job in coverage. Some people are listening to this saying, how can you say that? The Colts gave up 75% completion percentage. But in the red zone, you just got to do everything you can. We've all watched football for a long time. You've seen bad defenses have good point totals because they just make a play inside right. the red zone. Yes. I mean, mm-hmm. I hate to say it, but, I mean, we kind of were used to that for a long period of time around here where it was that old cliche, bend but don't break. Right. right? Give up yards, give up explosive plays, but don't give up touchdowns inside the red zone. So it's like bad defenses with a good point total. The Colts, I think, are just the opposite. 100%. They're a good defense yep. with a bad point total because the red zone has just been this – algebra problem they can't figure out <laughs> you know you you bring that up and I, I look around the league right now and i i kind of look at the kansas city chiefs i would say that is a defense that nobody is saying they are a top five defense yeah but what they do is the bend but don't break and they just keep the point totals down so their offense can go out and, and outscore and it's all about making the teams kick field goals and having a big fourth down stop if it's close and that's where I, I'm. I really do feel like this team is going to be different. Right. You just one more time. We just have to see it. And yeah. also to piggyback off that, what the Kansas City Chiefs. You know what? Most teams are looking at. Okay, we're playing Patrick Mahomes. We're going to have to score points, so we're going to have to do something right. probably a little bit different than we normally do. And they're going to take chances. Yeah. And that's where the defense will say, Hey, on offense, we got to keep up with the scoring with the offense, uh, opponents' offense. So we're going to have to score some points. So then it gives the defense an opportunity to make some plays while the offense is taking chances. Yeah. Defense makes a big play, and then they get a turnover and stop them. All right, quickly, let's talk about crunch time. We've already kind of talked about this a little bit, but, again, the Colts were 4-6-1 last year, one-score games. Uh, since the start of the 2021 season, the Colts are 6-11-1 and one in one-score games. And I think here the key word or the, the key phrase has to be complimentary football. In crunch yes. time – you got to do a better job of playing complimentary football. That's exactly what happened on Sunday in reverse for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Guess what? You had the uh, Jamal Agnew punt return set up a, a, a touchdown drive. Yep. You had the pick by the defense and then a big run to cap off the game by Travis Etienne two plays later after they got that turnover. And that's something that Anthony Richardson this week talked about. There's 120 plays Right there's like 120, 130 plays in a football game. What what's the number, Bill? Five, six, seven. Yeah. Usually dictate <laughs> yeah. the winner of the yeah. game. That's probably it. Yeah. And the problem is you don't know if that's good. That one of those is going to come in the first quarter, the first play of the game. Two of them are going to be in the third quarter. Three of them are going to be in the fourth quarter. I think Anthony Richardson talked about that. That's one of the biggest lessons he learned in, in game one. That this is a 60 minute game. You've got to be. 1,000% dialed in, focused in every single play because if you relapse in terms of focus, you know, one of those plays could happen to you in a negative negative way, big time, in a blink of an eye. Oh, by far. I mean, that, to me, that was the punt return. I mean, that that play happened and, yeah. you know, it got them in great field position. You know, in the fourth quarter, you have to be better. Now, if you look at it, in the fourth quarter, if you count the end of the third quarter where they had the ball and then mm-hmm. they carried over into the fourth quarter, the Colts had the ball, and it carried over into the fourth quarter. I said the Colts had the ball four times in, in, their, in those possessions. The first two possessions ended in three plays and a punt. Yep. Uh, the next possession ended with an interception. Then the fourth possession was the final Colts drive that got to the one-yard line, and they right. didn't score. So yeah. you look at that, and it, it had the ball that, that many times, didn't do anything, punt, 
three plays and out, and an interception. Yeah. Crucial time like that in a game, fourth quarter, you have to make plays. You have to be able to sustain a drive, go down there, not turn the ball over, and get points. And that can help the defense out. You put the defense back on the field so many times, they're going to be fatigued. Yeah, to Bill's point, I mean, at one point in the second half, the Colts had, Casey, four straight drives that lasted four plays or less yep. with no first downs. So the lack of playmaking ability in crunch time, does it, to you, does it feel different than last year? It does not. It, it, it does not because back to the same, you know, we have to see it. But right now it does not because this is something we have talked about at nauseum about who is going to step up, who is going to be the one that does it. I always laugh when, when you hear this all over the time, but like make a play. And that's what ultimately you have to do. You, you have to get that mindset where like, like looking at the defense, the play where DeForest Buckner scored, I know that if you draw it out on what happened, it's like a paragraph long because of all the forced fumbles <laughs> right. and everything. But ultimately, there were two plays on that play that were made that forced the Colts to score a touchdown. Buckner, Franklin, Buckner. Buckner, Franklin, Buckner. I mean, all right. of that. You make a play. Offensively, I don't know if we saw somebody step up and make a play, especially yeah. when you're looking at this time where, I mean, you Colts have a lead in the fourth quarter. You get the ball back with a chance to go and take the lead again yeah. after, and, and you just nobody stepped up to make a play. I'm not singling out one person, or I'm just saying ultimately, in crunch time, the most important time of the game, most important time, it's going to come down to a handful of plays, and especially when it's late, and you can see those handful of plays are there now. Like we got to start making. You got to have somebody step and up. And again, I think that's complimentary football. It's yes. all three yeah. phases. You have to step up. And the Jaguars, we just chronicled it. Yep. Their three phases rose to the occasion. Yep. So crunch time, red zone defense, fourth quarter defense. Colts trying to get better in all of those areas that plagued them so, so often in 2022. But I again, I thought all in all the defense played very well. Yes. I don't think the the 31 points allowed was indicative of how good they played for large stretches of that game. And a big part of that defensive unit, linebacker EJ Speed. Again, he had five tackles, a big tackle for loss on a fourth down. He had a forced fumble, should have had a uh, takeaway that was taken away from him by the NFL <laughs> uh, with the replay uh, system. But he joined myself and Bill Brooks earlier today to talk about the defense going into week two against the Houston Texans. Our pleasure right now to be joined by Colts' fifth-year linebacker, E.J. Speed. Yo, yo. What's going on, man? Man, five years, you make me feel That's crazy. what I'm saying. I mean, it feels like yesterday we were, like, looking up where the heck Tarleton State was. <laughs> yeah, I hope they know now. <laughs> <laughs> they better. Hey, we got Texas Tech this week, too, so shout-out to that. All right, yeah. all right. Upset Big City, game. baby. Yeah, yep. get them on ups, upset alert. Yeah, yeah. How does five years sound to you? Uh it's been a journey. I'm just glad to be here for five years, to tell the truth. So, um, okay. five years have been a blessing, you know, a lot of ups and downs, more ups and downs, gracefully, by yep. the grace of God. But, um, yeah, man, five years is five years. No matter how you put it, no matter what career you're in, five years can do something. I understand. Yeah. I've been here 12. What's that say? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm I've definitely done some. I've seen some stuff, my friend. Yeah. No, I mean, let, let's go back. Let, let's stay on that. Let's go back to your rookie season. Where do you think you have grown the most – not as a player, but as a person. Where, where do you think you are now mentally, spiritually, uh, compared to 2019? Man, I'm so much better off. Um, leaving Texas for the first time my rookie year Yeah, okay. was a big deal. So I left Texas, left my family, man. The Colts embraced me. I became uh, – got a lot of family members here in Indianapolis with the Colts. Mm -hmm. You feel what I'm saying? I'm just happy to be here. I mean, yeah, it's just been a blessing. It's a long ride, but worth it all. Oh, 
sure. Yeah, I want to piggyback off of that. When you left uh, Charleston State, what was one of the biggest adjustments you had to make going from college to the pros coming here to Indianapolis? Uh, just realizing it's, it's, it's just more mental. The mental part of the game has definitely went up because now it's all ball. Everything mm-hmm. you do when you step in this building is ball trying to win games. So, um, yeah, that mental aspect was crazy. You, I mean, it upped a lot. Physically, I mean, you know, yeah. physical is physical, but the mental aspect is definitely that, that, that turnover. EJ Speed is with us. Speaking of, of the physicality, I mean, you go nine months without playing a regular season football game in terms of intensity. Is it kind of like riding a bike out there last week in week one? Uh, definitely. Once you run out that tunnel, you get in a mode. <laughs> <laughs> it just, like, comes back, right? Yeah, you get in a killer mode that you, you know what I mean? It's either E to V8 out there, so, you know, you're doing, you're doing your thing. You catch your groove. You know, actually, the first hit is what gets you get you going. You mm-hmm. make it through. You get through that first hit and all that type of stuff. Then the second hit now is just a whole yeah. physical attribute. You're worried about how your body feels. Do you even morning. feel the first hit? <laughs> yeah. Because you're so jacked nah, up. Nah, you feel the first hit actually. That's, really? That's crazy. Like any football player will tell you that first hit is what you get through. Once you get through that first hit, you know exactly how this game might go. <laughs> and that, <laughs> you get straight into killer mode. Yeah. That's EJ Speed with us. All right, let, let's go back. I mean, what, what were your overall impressions of the defense? Very impactful. That's, mm-hmm. that's the word that I use, right? Seven tackles for loss, uh, three forced fumbles, mm-hmm. takeaways, touchdowns by the defense. Mm-hmm. You had a takeaway taken away from you. What What did you think of just how pesky and impactful the Colts' defense was? Uh, we was very much fired up for that game and for that situation. We know it's a week one coming in. We got a new quarterback. Yeah. We got we got a divisional opponent. It was very very much fired up. I mean, the defense just got like a, a trust factor. We know what they expect from certain players. You feel what I'm saying? So we've been playing. I think the defense so gelled together that we got a lot of returning starters like Julian, Kenny, Zaire. We got the maniac back. We got Buck. He's there on and 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 uh, Grove and yeah. Quitty. So it's a lot of familiar names. We've been playing together so long. We just all gel and we know what to expect from each other. And it shows in practice in the game. So. That's not a, a performance that we're, you know what I mean, just surprised about or not used to. Well, what about your performance? What do you think about your performance, how you played <laughs> out there? You know, Matt chronicled it and yeah. said it earlier, and uh, how do you feel you played out there and uh, contributed to the team? I feel like I played good. I put in a lot of work in the summer, so I was looking forward to testing myself in that opening game. I wish I could have got that um, that uh, forced fumble back, but, you know, nice neither here nor there. Afterwards, actually, Tony Brown recovered and got a mm-hmm. interception after that. So, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? The ball never Karma, lied. brother. <laughs> yeah. Right? <laughs> the ball <laughs> never lied. evens out. Yeah, so it <laughs> evened out, man. Yeah. I, was, I was excited. I was happy with my play, but, you know, it's in the past. Now I got to go do it again in week okay. two. You talk about all those great players, yourself and mm-hmm. Shaq Leonard and Zaire Franklin, Grover, Buckner, so on and so forth. Forth. Elementary question, I understand that, but you've been playing together for so long. How how close are you guys? Man, bro, we know what make each other laugh. We know we know how to piss each other off. Actually, Grove, <laughs> Grove, <laughs> hey, Grove is the number one. Grove know how to get in every, get under everybody's skin on the defense. Really, he he's the, that guy. Yes, he's he the instigator. The antagonist. He definitely is. Bro. <laughs> he get he make Buck mad every day. Bro. So yeah, man, we just brothers. We got a strong brotherhood. You guys are like a fraternity for like seven years yeah, or something. Yeah, and like that's that. part of one of the reasons why I signed back because that's I. I mean, I was gonna miss that. Yeah, I was gonna miss that. Not saying that you can't create another brotherhood somewhere else because mm-hmm. that's very much possible. But I mean, I just I love playing with the guys with the guys on the defense side of the ball. Now you talk about how close you guys were, and I want to know when you first got here. Do you have any? Do you have any mentors here that kind of helped you once you got here to make the adjustment to the National Football League? Yeah, I think we had a great linebackers coach in uh, Matt Eberflus and um, also Braganzi. So um, okay, you know what I mean. We got uh, this organization 
is very much direct with what they expect out of you from mm-hmm. the front office to the coaches and everything and they push that narrative so um I had I had plenty of mentors uh with with uh Shaq Leonard and yeah, okay. um, just the whole linebacking core in general, you know, I actually came in with Bobby. Right. So mm-hmm. me and Bobby mm-hmm. were drafted in the same year. So we kind of, okay. yeah. you know, fought through the same battles together, had to, had some of the same ups and downs and stuff like that. So we was able to push through that, and that helped me a lot in my career also. That's EJ Speed, linebacker for the Colts with us. Bill Brooks along. I'm Matt Taylor. You just talked about Shaq Leonard. His journey has been well chronicled. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you've gotten a front row seat to it. You're very close with him. You see what he goes through on and off the field. To the extent that you can tell us. What do we not know about his journey that we should know just in terms of how hard he's worked mm. to get back to where he is after four surgeries in the last two years? He got no quit in him. And that's that's one thing that we all got to respect with, with, with uh, Shaq is that he has no quit in him, and that's one thing that he's taught me throughout his journey mm-hmm. is to keep fighting no matter the circumstances. Keep fighting, keep putting your best foot forward, keep trucking, and in the end, it all come together. You seen him make that TFL, and he got up, started doing his dance. <laughs> you seen that in a minute. So yeah. you know that's 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 just like him reaping what he sowed. Yeah, you know what I mean. And 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 throughout that, he's teaching the young guys. He's teaching even the older guys that like. When things are or, or when things are approached to you, you got to be a man and stand up and do what you got to do and to I'm, get back. There's, I'm sure there's a lot more moments like that coming. But for you, when when you saw that tackle for loss coming from Shaq, mm-hmm. I mean, what did that moment mean to you? It meant everything, dog. Like it meant everything to me just because that's my brother. Yeah. Since day one, you know what I mean. That's been a guy that, that I that I looked up to, in the way that he plays and the way that he carries himself on and off the field. Man, I spent a lot of time with him and his family. The way he is with his family, he's just a great dude overall. Man, I respect everything about him. Now, last year you had a career year in snaps and tackles on defense, and you were making some key plays on on defense as well. What is it about Gus Bradley's defense that fits your playing style? Uh, he 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 uh, he he respects me as a player. He respects me as a person, and he respects me as a playmaker. So uh, we always talk about ways that he can implement me and put me in positions to make plays. And mm-hmm. when he does do that, I owe it to him to make him look good within that situation because it's a lot of things that goes into his game plan. That, that that has to put me in those positions to make those plays. So when I get a chance, I always want to excel at it, for yeah. sure. EJ Speed with us. Let's talk about Sunday. C.J. Stroud, mm-hmm. rookie quarterback. You have got you have one that you see every day, the growth and maturity there. I'm sure the same mm-hmm. thing applies to C.J. Stroud. What do you see when you watch him on film? Man, I know C.J. personally, and what he has, what he has off the field is what he has on the field. He, yeah. ha- he hates losing. <laughs> And that's one thing I respect about him, but he's gonna have to put that to the side on Sunday. <laughs> but, uh, where, where does where does your relationship with him come from? Uh, just just off season, okay. off season training, yeah. you know, agency and all that type stuff. So mm-hmm. I had plenty of chances to you know sit down and talk to him before he was drafted to the Texans. So um, it was he's a, he's a stand up dude. Um, I respect him and all that type stuff. So uh, I think he'll do great in this league, mm-hmm. but. He gonna have to take two L's a year for like the rest <laughs> of his career because he, he got to see the Colts. But uh, yeah, but yeah, I, um, I actually respect CJ as a person and a player. So I, it'll be fun competing against him on Sunday. Yeah, no doubt about yeah. that. And last one for me. I know it's early, but it's another AFC South game. Just like last Sunday was an AFC South game, important because they count for two, right? They mean double. Uh, and it can put you behind the eight ball. How much, with that being said, the urgency level, where is it right now? Yeah, every, everybody un- understands the assignment. And um, Sunday, we got some things that we're going to do as a defense, and I'm sure the offense has their game plans, and I've been watching from practice. They've been looking good. So mm-hmm. uh, 
I think it'll be a, a great showing on Sunday, and we'll come out with a dub. All right, lastly, you, you look comfortable now. You've got the headphones on. you got the cans. <laughs> you got the mic. You're moving the mic around. I know we're on audio, on, uh, audio and radio right now, but you're moving the mic around. You're grabbing it. You're comfortable. That comes from the podcast, yeah, right? You man. and Zaire Franklin have your own podcast, right? Yeah, we got the Trench Podcast, so, you know, tune in. Make sure uh, y'all leave a comment, subscribe, <laughs> like, anything you need to do, man. We talking real life. He's got it down. Yeah, we, talk, we, talking, we talking real life. NFL to real life, just everyday stuff in that pod. Yeah, that I think people need to hear. So, um, yeah, tune in, man. It'd be great for you. Who who decided to do that? Whose idea was that? Uh, actually, it was Zaire's. He did some um, some stuff in the um, in the off season mm-hmm. with the Joe Button mm-hmm. podcast. Right. And he came to me, and was like, "Bro, you know, you'd be good. We can do this with the pod." Da, da, da. And I'm like, "Hell yeah, I would. <laughs> what you mean? You know what I mean?" So he popped it off and got it going, and I follow lead, and you know we doing we doing our thing with that. I like it in the trenches podcast, yep, right? Yep, yep. What's the best thing you like about that doing the podcast? The pod, I get yeah. the I get to be free. The fans get to see the other side. With okay, the helmet off, yeah. and they get to see. Well, us. What the hell are we doing right here? <laughs> you know, they, they get to, <laughs> come on, but, but they get to see they get to see an interaction between two brothers who've met within the game of football. Yeah. So, like and it. you know when you you you've been in plenty of battles, it's just like it's a camaraderie mm-hmm. that 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 can't be talked about. They just got to see it. Yeah. So you know, and and our other co-host Tim, and uh, and, and Jada behind the scenes, Jada Wado, man. So um, <laughs> so yeah, so yeah, we got um, it's it's just a it's just a family thing that we got going on over there, and it's fun. I actually look forward to those pods, man. I come and I put on a little drip, not too much, but you know, I I, 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 I I love those pods that I get to talk to my brothers and stuff in the world, get to see how we interact. Well, That's we great. we look forward That's to great. having you on on this podcast and on uh, on Colts Radio. So sure. can't thank you enough, EJ Speed, linebacker for the Colts year number five don't forget going into game number two on Sunday with the Texans EJ congratulations on your success keep it up all right thank you thank you thank you all right again that's EJ speed from earlier today love that guy love that guy year yeah. number five coming from a division two school Tarleton State always a good conversation with him and he and the Colts defense on Sunday looking to disrupt rookie quarterback C.J. Stroud, the number two overall pick out of Ohio State. That takes us to the battle of the rookies as we close out. C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson, those two guys, Casey, you've heard me say this. Bill, I'm sure you've heard this this week as well. Sunday's game will mark just the seventh game since 1950 with top five drafted rookie quarterbacks <laughs> playing head-to-head. There is a little bit of a Colts flavor here, too. You have to go back to 1998 it happened with the Colts. Peyton Manning Ryan versus Leaf. Ryan Leaf. We all know how that story ends. Um, but, again, I think – these guys are forever going to be linked, and this is the first meeting head-to-head between these two guys, Stroud and Richardson, where we're going to start overreacting and we're right. going to start you know, comparing these guys. <laughs> should have drafted that guy. No, you should have. <laughs> Anyways, what are Stroud's, Bill, for you? You've seen him play in college. You've watched the game tape from uh, week one when they played the Baltimore Ravens. What are Stroud's biggest strengths and his weaknesses going into his first head-to-head matchup here with uh, Anthony Richardson? Well, I would say especially coming from college and watching him play at Ohio State, and I would say his accuracy is one of his biggest things that he has. He's mm-hmm. been an accurate quarterback, getting the ball, delivering the ball, a nice ball um, to to people. He's mobile in the pocket. He doesn't run a lot in the pocket, um, and that's probably one of the knocks people have on him. Maybe sometimes sure. when pressure came, you know, he didn't perform as well as he should have. Uh, in the pocket. So I would say his strength is his accuracy and 
Um, he looks like he's, he's another poised individual in the pocket back there that he doesn't get rattled too much. So I'm going to go with his accuracy and his poise in the pocket as his strength and his weaknesses. Maybe when you get pressure on him, which you can get pressure on him, and Baltimore got pressure on him, maybe he gets a little rattled and doesn't play as well. That's where I'm going, the the weakness, and, and it's no fault of his. I, I hate this analogy as the guy's coming out. It's like, well, he played at Ohio State, so they were a better offensive line than every defense they faced, and the weapons were so much better. That's Don't not blame a, him. That's not his fault. <laughs> but I will say that that does kind of you know play into it a little bit because now the defenses he's going up against – it's not your offensive line isn't towering over like, oh, they're so much better by X amount. The playing field levels out a little bit. So yeah. I think that is an area that he does have a little bit of a, you know, a, a step to kind of take in that realm. But the accuracy, his poise, it, it doesn't seem like, I mean, I'm watching the way he played last week. I know they didn't get a win, but he seemed to be in pretty good command of the offense. So oh, he's going to be fine. Yeah. yeah I think as far he's as that be goes. just fine. Yeah. But I think that's the biggest thing is just, you know, getting back to the fact where you're playing against defenses that are so much better than any defense you played in college. Exactly. So that, that's the biggest thing. I, I think there is – I agree with you, although I think there is something to – I didn't watch every Ohio State game, but the times where oh, I yeah. am watching Ohio State, it's like, okay, I, maybe I could have completed that pass. Because, <laughs> I mean, he's got right. six and seven, seven seconds, seconds yeah. back there. You know, when they're playing Youngstown State, right. when they're playing Rutgers, I mean – no, no offense to our, our Big Ten brethren there. Um, you know, I, I think there is something to having such great talent around him. I'm not going to knock him for that, but, you know, the numbers kind of bear it out. I mean, last year when he was in a clean pocket, which happened most of the time because of the great weapons and the great offensive line in front of them, uh, in 2022 when he was in a clean pocket, 71% completion percentage. That's elite. Yes. Right? That is that's otherworldly, and you have to certainly give him a ton of respect for that. Yes. Under pressure, though, which didn't happen a lot, but when he was under pressure last year, that completion percentage bill dropped almost 30 points, wow. 41.3%. I think there's something to that. Get after him a little bit because he's not one of those guys that wants to run around. Exactly. He did that in the college football playoff semifinal. He showed that. Um, but he's a guy that wants to stick in the pocket yeah. and show off that arm and that accuracy. Yeah, he wants to stay in the pocket. He's not a big run guy, and he wants to stay in the pocket and you know let the offensive line do their job and block, hopefully give him some time. But yeah. when he feels pressure, you know what, maybe the pressure gets to him a little bit and his accuracy is off a little bit, and maybe he rushes his throw sometimes. And disguise coverages. Yeah, you know, so maybe get him to think a little bit and not react, and that might have something to do with uh, yeah. his inaccuracy down the field. I just want to know who's tracking this stuff. So ESPN put out in week one, <laughs> Stroud had a quarterback rating of 81.6, which is not very good. He was 5 for 10 for 36 yards when someone from ESPN deemed he was facing disguise coverage. <laughs> All right? Can we get any more minutia than that? <laughs> right. But you know what? We're, we're using it. We're using it to our advantage. You just helped that guy. Yeah, you know? to, talk about, <laughs> to talk about C.J. Stroud, muddying up that division. Disguised <laughs> coverages. He was also sacked five times last week against the Ravens. That was more than any other game at Ohio yes. State. So he yes. was playing with some elite players. All right, Bill, what do you got, man? You excited for this weekend? Feels like you're in the routine now of football, yeah, right? Good, We've good. had Sunday, Monday, now it's Thursday, then a full slate again on Sunday. Yeah, getting into routine, looking forward to it, looking forward to Sunday. Uh, you know, we're going to be on the road, so it's going to be first time the team's on the road this season. So yep. we're looking forward to that and see what it's like. Uh, going down to Houston, it's going to be, you know, it, 
be indoors, so they'll be okay. It won't be too hot. <laughs> won't be too guys. hot. Won't be too hot. For but I'm looking forward for the guys going out there playing well and, and doing a good job against another AFC South opponent. Yep. Now, I'm not going to at all complain about the job that we have because it's <laughs> awesome. But isn't it great to have, like, concrete evidence of an actual game to talk yes, about? Absolutely. Like, yes. I, I love all of the, everything that this goes into This beats the hell it. out of April. Right. I mean, <laughs> I'm sorry. You get to that point where you've talked at nauseum about the yes. same thing over and over again. So now that we have at least some evidence of what this team has done in at least one game, mm-hmm. it's great. I, I love that football is back. And, I mean, I have taken in – Thursday, Monday, Sunday. I took in Monday. I'm going to watch Thursday tonight. I mean, I'm all in for sure. No doubt. Yeah, we're definitely conditioned right now. We're in the swing of things. Week two is here, and so are we on the official Colts podcast on a Thursday. The Thursday crew with you every single week, breaking down the latest game and the upcoming matchup. Casey Vallier, Bill Brooks, I'm Matt Taylor. And we will do it again next Thursday, talking about the Baltimore Ravens. But in the meantime, the Colts look for their first win of the season, their first win of the a- inside the AFC South, I should say, coming up on Sunday against the Houston Texans. For Casey Vallier, Bill Brooks, I'm Matt Taylor. We're inside the Indiana Union Construction Industry Radio Studio. Thanks for joining us, and we will talk to you next week on the official Colts podcast here on the Colts Audio Network. So long.